This is Starting Somewhere, and I'm Buffy Gorilla. During the making of Starting Somewhere, we spoke to some fantastic people, but we weren't able to include all of the wise words that they had to say. So, releasing a series of bonus episodes of Starting Somewhere. In this bonus episode, you'll hear from Warren Fraze, who's Senior Advisor, Experiential Learning, Industry Engagement, and Employability at the University of Melbourne. Warren works with students on a daily basis, helping them identify their career goals and walking them through the application and employment process. And he definitely has some ideas on how you can get your start somewhere. My current role is uh, Senior Advisor in Experiential Learning here at the University of Melbourne. That sounds fancy. Uh, yeah, it does sound fancy. That's why I applied for the role, of course. <laughs> it's, uh, it's an interesting role. It's a combination of running workshops and developing programs for students and, and graduates, as well as one-on-one consultations, as well as helping people who drop in and just want some information on a quick career express inquiry so that we can direct them to another source or take them from there and direct them to particular websites they can look at as well. So it's quite an interesting role, juggle a lot of things and meet a lot of students as well. And how long have you been doing this role? Since April last year. Ah. Prior to that, I was with uh, Swinburne, University of Technology. Prior to that, pretty solid career within the human resources area. So I was working across various industries, non-for-profit, private sector, government. So probably about six different industry sectors. So I bring in a fair bit of experience from that point of view, both as an employer and working in the recruitment space as well. So I would imagine you've hired a lot of people in your day. So you have seen the stress that people go through. How does that translate into your current role? Yes, and, and myself as being joining a graduate program, I still remember vividly some of that as well. So I draw on my own experience as well, but certainly uh, interviewing graduates. I was initially interviewing a lot of graduates in public transport organisations, so obviously a lot of engineering graduates would come in and they would be quite nervous and they really not sure what they wanted to do. So I can relate back to those experiences <laughs> very well. Particularly my own, because I studied psychology, and then I my first role was with the ANZ. So I joined the graduate program, and I ended up being put into a, a branch in the suburbs. So my idea of the city office and looking over a beautiful view of the bay wasn't fulfilled initially. I feel disappointed for you, because we were just at <laughs> ANZ on Monday, and that view of the bay is very, very nice. That's right, particularly when I had my first interview there, and I was able to look over. I thought, this will be great. My desk will be just around the corner. <laughs> So what I'm, what I learned from that is that, uh, you know, you need to start at the, at the bottom and understand the business uh, because many graduates uh, come through with a particular area that they've specialised in and they need to understand the business and need to understand how it works at the, at the front line. So I would be literally dealing with customers on the counter. I would be going to the post office to get the mail and things like that. And some graduates find that a bit demeaning after, you know, after their fourth year of study and so on. So I remind graduates that, yes, you need to put up with a bit of that, but once you get through that and you keep your eye on the vision, you know, the opportunities are quite endless. And it's important for them to understand that, uh, or for example, at the time when I did psychology, it was probably not the done thing to join a bank, you know, because most people would think you need to do a commerce Financial or, services, yeah, Yeah, financial or something like that. So, but at the time, and I think ANZ still to this day are like that, they actually encourage a broad range of disciplines to join the organisations so that they can see things differently. They don't want graduates coming and looking all at the same view. They want 
graduates to question things and, and look at it from different viewpoints. So history graduates or art history or, or science graduates, chemistry and so on are, are valid, you know, very welcome in these organisations. And I don't think a lot of graduates realise that until they start to do some research. And that's what I do here at the university is try to expand uh, their awareness of what organisations are able to offer. It sounds like you really believe that students really do need to start somewhere, which is great because that's the name of this podcast, Starting Somewhere. So Warren, how many of these students do you see each year? I would see around 500 plus easily. Um, that's because we deal with a lot of drop-ins. So when we say drop-ins, they can come in without an appointment, <laughs> basically. It's um, a nice definition. That's right. Not, not drop-outs, drop-ins, <laughs> as I said. Um, and they come in and, of course, they've got a, a pressing issue. So sometimes the drop-ins will be very much about, I've got a deadline tomorrow and I've got a resume I'd like you to check out because it literally is that kind of urgency. Okay. Required. So we certainly deal with those issues, but we would like you know, students to drop in also to talk about what they might do to prepare for the year. So you know, that longer term perspective. Mm. But humans being as they are and students are the same, they just, the last minute will will dictate some of the, the questions they have. I've worked in outplacement as well with senior executives and they do exactly the same thing. So if you're a student out there and you're thinking that's that's not the way you behave, well, I've dealt with executives who behave the same way. <laughs> the same spectrum. Well, yeah. that's really good. What question do these 500 students or then the students that pop in, do they ask the most? Well, typically it's about uh, an application. Uh, it might be about the resume, the cover letter, selection criteria, which many employers still want to know. They're the base documents, and to some extent that is a key one to get right because if they miss out on getting those right, they potentially go into a reject file and they don't get a chance to talk about themselves at an interview. So my role is really to make sure they get the best chance of getting an interview and once they're in there, they're, they're, they're halfway, I guess, to, you know, there's still a number of other processes uh, most employers go through these days. I and mean, there are assessment centres, there are um, aptitude tests. In some cases, there are videos that they need to prepare and send forward. Mm. Some organisations will have, say, the top 20 questions they need to do prior to submitting their resume. So there really isn't one what size. the top 20 questions? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's nearly not one size fits all. And it makes my role a little bit difficult because when they go to their lectures, they get a black or white answer about Mm. something. When they come to the careers, it's more about, well, (laughs) but we do stress it's important to understand what the organisation wants in terms of the selection process. Mm. So we really encourage them to read the job ad. And if they're stating they only want 300 words per criteria, that you actually stick to that limit. Don't go over because they won't like it. Mm. But another organisation may not care. So it's, again, it's really understanding what the requirements are for that particular role. So what I do tend to do, Buffy, is the resume and cover letter is, is fine standalone, but they really don't mean a lot until they're matched to a, a job okay. or a job ad. So what we'll say to them is, yeah, you've got it about 80, 85% right, but there's still another 15% or so that needs to match and align to the requirements mm. of the, the graduate role that you're applying for. So we really do stress that the alignment is important because the employers and the recruiters are only looking pretty much at the immediate job fit. Of course, they're looking at potential as well, but utmost in their mind is making sure the graduate can do the role that's on offer. Let's just back up for just one quick second. Do you advise students who are looking for internships as well, or are you only responsible for students who are heading out into the workforce? Or is the internship considered the workforce? 
In many cases, it is, uh, Buffy. The, some organisations uh, will really only accept graduates who have actually done some kind of placement or internship with that organisation. So we do stress the importance of getting some experience with an organisation that they're really keen on working in. If they're totally passionate about working for one particular organisation, go for it. But at the same time, always have a plan B and a plan C because, as we know, that life isn't as mm. a linear progression like that. However, there are some tips that I can give graduates. For example, if you are following a company on LinkedIn, they will see you favourably. They can actually check who's following not many students are aware of that. I am not aware of that. No, and it applies to both of us too if we're ever in the same situation. But if you are looking for a role, follow the organisation. Not only do you get jobs sent to you, but you can follow what's going on in the organisation. Mm. So if the CEO is moving to another place, normally you find out through those LinkedIn feeds. So we do stress the importance of LinkedIn. It is a major tool. It's not the only tool, but it is a major tool for students and anyone looking for employment because a number of recruiters and employers will actually look at their profile and sometimes match it to the resume. The reason being that LinkedIn is highly regarded is because it's very difficult to lie on LinkedIn when other people are looking at what you got in there. Mm. A resume, well, you can probably get away with a little white lie here and there, but when it's matched and aligned to the <laughs> to the LinkedIn profile, from experience, the one. LinkedIn is actually in the public domain in most cases, so you can't really mm. lie about it. So, so employers and recruiters put a lot of trust in what's in the LinkedIn profile. So we do, I'm involved in running workshops here at the university on LinkedIn profiles and how to best address mm. those issues and get the best possible, what we call personal branding, is the way you want the world to see you, mm. how you're positioned. So how do you advise students on which companies they should be targeting? Because as you were saying, you know, if a student has a dream company, but their academic profile might not match up, how do you reroute them or how do you help them sure. partner? We hear a lot about the dream job. <laughs> and one could ask the question, does that really exist? Mm. You've got to look at the aspects of work that you enjoy doing. So in many cases, we look for you know intransferable skills that can come out of their degree or the experiences they do alongside their degree. So if they're doing a part-time job or a casual job, that gives them some idea of what they might appeal to. So when I, for example, going back to myself, when I worked in the, the bank in, in the branch, I actually found dealing with customers to be quite rewarding. I, I liked helping them. But when it came to some of the back office work, I didn't like that at all. So it helped me decide what aspects that I'd like to take further. So I always encourage students to try and get as much experience as possible. An internship is one good way of doing that. In Australia, probably unlike some other countries like the US, uh, the internship is not the only way to impress an employer. They are looking for experiences, and we do have a, a whole week here at Melbourne based called Make Experience Matter, which really focuses on that particular issue. So we do stress the importance of getting involved in the student clubs, getting involved in some volunteer work, no matter how menial the work might seem, because some international students particularly find that they don't want to tell their parents they're working in a convenience store because they're sweeping up things and cleaning toilets and doing things that they don't want them to know about. But 
the experience of that is just tremendous. I mean, the fact that they can be punctual and they can keep a store clean and, and juggle a number of tasks like filling up the petrol tanks and changing the, the price on there at the same time serving a customer. They're, they're multitasking. They're, they're dealing with customer service issues. So those skills are very transferable. So I would encourage students to don't so much worry about the status of the role you're doing right now. It, it, the skills are very, very applicable to graduate employment. That's a great tip. How do you think that that, for example, a part-time job or that experiential learning, how does that fit into the larger kind of career path of an individual? Do you think that it's as easy as one, two, three or? I wish so. I wish it was, <laughs> but often it's not. I guess going back to the the internships, you can certainly apply for an advertised internship because some organisations will have it very clearly stated on their website that there is a mid-semester term break or a summer internship. So you can certainly do it that way. We also encourage students to be a bit more proactive than that, than not just wait for the job ad to, to magically appear, but to actually approach employers directly. That often does work because, it, it's, it, first of all, it shows the employer that they're interested enough to make the connection. And often they can do that through LinkedIn as well. They can look at the University of Melbourne alumni and they can start to trace particular individuals they'd like to speak to. So we do encourage that. And it's, and it's a brave move because not many students have experience in doing that and feel, and I'll take myself back to that age, it's, it's difficult and, and it takes them out of their comfort zone to actually approach an employer. So... Part of what we do here at Melbourne is to run some workshops, particularly in networking, and how to do that, how to approach your employers, how do you make that initial contact, and what's the best time of the day you might want to call them. For example, if you're going to approach an employer, the, probably the best time is early morning or later in the day because during the day they're pretty much mm. going to meetings and they're fairly busy. So you don't want to kind of annoy them in the middle of the day. But we do stress that it's not about asking the employer for a job. It's about asking the person how they got their job. What is it like working in this organization? What are the good days? What are the bad days? Mm. So to make an approach based more about fact-finding and information gathering, mm. and that enables the, the student particularly to maybe build a good relationship over time, and that could lead to any number of Outcomes. Outcomes, yeah. yeah. And, and and a lot of those outcomes can't be predicted. And there was a there's a great uh, professor at Stanford called Professor Crumboltz who came up with a term called happenstance. And what he meant by that is to put yourself in a situation where you're kind of creating things that might happen, but you don't know what they mm -hmm. might be. So being connected means you might go to an event as part of a professional association, for example. The fact that you're in the room with a number of employees could lead to some great contacts and some good connections. But we don't know what the outcome is going to be. You might attend two or three of those and not get anywhere. Mm -hmm. But the fourth one you attend may just be the person that you want to speak to and maybe the best person to refer you to somebody else. So it's positioning yourself in the right areas with the right people. And that's what we really encourage. And we do have workshops that we help students to do that properly because it, it does take a bit of practice. And how realistic do you think students are in their searches? Look, in some cases, the students are fairly focused on, let's say, for example, I find that many international students just want to work for the big four, the big four accounting management consulting mm. firms. Now, that's fine, and there's nothing wrong in that, but that can be a fairly tunnel focus in some ways because there are a lot of other interesting opportunities other than the big four. So there, you've got, for example, there's a great website called Top 100 Graduate Employers sponsored by the Australian newspaper and it comes out every year 
and I ask students to go through that and research a whole number of different organisations. Now, normally they're the big ones, they're the private sector, big government ones. There's also this other area that is often overlooked called SMEs, which simply stands for small to medium-sized enterprises. And that is a a large area of graduate employment, but they don't spruik and from the rooftop like some of those big four I talked about earlier. So definitely encourage students to approach、um, the smaller to medium-sized enterprise, and that takes a bit more research to do that because they're not in your face like the、mm. other ones. So we use、um, there are library websites they can use to to locate、uh, experiences of other students who have worked in those organisations as well. But definitely alumni is a great place to start because some of our alumni could be working in firms like that. As someone who works in the field, I would imagine you come across some great platforms and channels to help students narrow down their search or give them some tips on where to look. What sort of things would you recommend, Warren? Yeah, look, there's quite a number of websites out there that、uh, can help students find、uh, graduate employment and also to find an internship as well. One that we do, and we're not pushing a particular one, but there's quite a number, as I said. And some of the most common ones are, are GradConnection.com. That will actually list what our current internships are available through major employers. And does that include some of the SMEs, or is it mostly big multinational companies? Both,、okay. both will be included in there. Yes, so there'll be connections in there, and there'll be some a lot of information about how to apply for those roles and how to prepare for them as well. There's also for international internships, the, we recommend a website called、uh, GoingGlobal.com. That's a good one, and you can go into there, and it tells you what it's like to work in the U.S., for example. What are the the visa requirements you need? What are the cultural issues? Even the temperature in the、mm. city that you might, if you want to work in New York City, you've got to realise it's going to be fairly cold in winter, and and just to be, understand the the culture. The university certainly offers internship subjects as well, which could involve working internationally. And that would be credit bearing. So students really need to be aware that when they're doing their subject selection, particularly in undergraduate, some not all undergraduate courses will do it, but some will. And there's a there's quite a large array of masters. Degrees that have internship subjects in there as well, so they can certainly do that. There's also opportunities for students to study internationally, and we we have programs available for that as well. So there's a, there's a lot of support at the university if students are looking outside Australia and want to expand their cultural awareness, that they can do and work overseas or study overseas at partnership universities as well. So there's a there's a two pronged attack there. Did you have any other websites that you wanted to mention? Well, at the university here, we have Careers Online as well, which is a, a job board and information about events coming up. So all the workshops I talked about earlier that I'm involved in running, students can access those. Wonderful. So we've talked a little bit about networking and the importance of networking. What are your biggest networking tips? Yes, that's a very good question, and I think it starts right from day one. <laughs> Now, some students are quite keen about their careers when they start first year. Some leave it to the very last minute. So I see both sides of that, and I tend to see more of the latter. They come I'm in. I'm trying to think where、end. I would have fit <laughs> in the scheme as well. I would have been the same. And just earlier today, I was dealing with those sort of students. So those who are graduated last year are now looking for employment opportunities and wondering what to do next. So I'm taking them through a number of things in terms of networking.、Uh, as you said, it, it is an important strategy in job search, 
And I think networking has to be targeted and scripted, I think, initially. It's not about going to a party and talking to everyone around the place. It's a very planned process. So when you're professionally networking, as distinct from, say, just normal socially and in, in just have, making friends and mm-hmm. so on, is that you really need to rehearse at least a two-minute introduction about who you are, why you studied what you did and what your key strengths and skills are and attributes and passions in, in, as well. And they need to practice that as much as possible and get that down pat. Once they do that, then they're free to talk about other things. But once you introduce yourself in a way that makes sense to the, the person who's listening to you, so if you're a senior manager and a student comes up to you and says, I've studied uh, economics because I've really been passionate about that. I've been, ever since I was young, I used to follow the, the stock market and I've been in, you know looking at that all the way through. That's going to raise the eyebrows mm. of someone when a student comes up rather than just say, look, I'm, I'm an international student. I don't know what to do next. You know, that's going to turn them right off. So you need to come in with something that about yourself that really is a unique selling point. And I think that's really important that, that we spend a bit of time on helping the student come up with what we call that two-minute pitch. But there, of course, with social media, there are other ways of networking. And we do stress the importance of face-to-face where possible. But with LinkedIn and other social media, of course, you can you know, can mm. connect to people internationally, mostly through following organisations. There are a lot of interest groups also on LinkedIn where students can follow. So there might be an international, um, for example, there's one called Business Without Borders. There's Engineers Without Borders. So they can join those organisations and literally speak to people internationally and connect on an interest basis without actually meeting face-to-face, but can still create mm. that connection through social media. So obviously that's a very important part of job search, particularly today, and many students are across some of those things, but they're not sure exactly what the channels are. So Mm. we help them with that as well. That targeted approach sounds very useful. Mm. So standing out as an applicant, how is it done? Yes, (laughs) several ways. The first thing is to try and get the branding of who you are right. Now, that's used in marketing. Uh, we talk about branding as for a product mm. or a, you know, a jar of Vegemite in Australia, of course. That relays certain things about the product. You know, there, there's the, there are company names that relay certain things as well about how you feel about that product and so on. Well, in a way, the way you, you portray yourself as a professional branding has, is so important about getting that right so that the employer is says, I'd like to have more of that. Mm. So it's important to probably get the headline right in, in, your, in any social media. The other thing is, is, I should mention it probably now is a good time, is digital dirt. Anything that's done on the website. I ask about yeah, this. Yeah, it's incredible. Now, some of that is very difficult to remove, but the key thing is not to um, put yourself in a bad light as much as possible on anything on the web because it does tend to stay there and sometimes it can be difficult to remove because employers do check that. Mm. And all that's part of your branding, all those things that make up who you are. Now, when you do brand yourself, you have to live up to that as well. So those expectations have to be to be made clear as well. So we spend a lot of time helping the student come up with the documents that reflect the brand as well. So the major issue with students is coming up with what are their achievements because many students don't have a lot of achievements or they don't think they do mm. initially. Some students I find are very focused on getting high grades at the expense of all else. So they're in the library late at night, early morning, just studiously working away, getting high grades, but at the same time not having all these experiences I talked about. Now, 
some employers will put some emphasis on grades. There's no doubt about that. Probably, again, back to the big four I mentioned earlier, will probably do that because they get a lot of applications and their grades is one way of culling the applications down. There is a bit of a trend happening now where employers are not looking at grades in the, to the same extent as they used to, say even three years ago. They're now looking for that broader experience. So they don't want someone who's just been in the library the whole time and spoken to nobody. They want people who can go out there, make connections, be comfortable in talking to people of all different cultures, mm. be assertive in some ways, you know, to put their point of view across. So to dealing with customer issues, solving a conflict in a, in a store is a fantastic skill to have because that's transferable to the workplace. If you mm. can resolve a conflict in a project team, you could save the company a lot of money. So grades, yes, was up there, but it's not the emphasis on grades is not as important as it used to be. Now, working in a university, having said that, I, I stress, like, I stress, warning alert, warning alert. I stress it's important to get get you know good grades because obviously good grades tell an employer that they're disciplined enough as well. So there's behind the grade there's a quality mm. that they exhibit as well. But it, it's that balance. I think that getting that balance right is really important. That digital dirt, I'd never heard that term before, but that really makes sense because I was thinking to my own digital profile and thinking what is out there that could cause me yes. some harm. Um, hopefully nothing. So as students move through the process, you mentioned, you know, kind of identifying and starting to think about it early. Do you have any other advice for those youngsters? And I guess, well, if we back up a little bit, do these application tips to those apply to internships as well? Are people looking at your digital dirt when you apply for internships? Very much so. The process is exactly, I would say, is exactly the same because an internship, they're still making an investment in you. You, you. Whether it's a paid or an unpaid internship, the investment in their time and everything has to be the same. So how you present yourself at an internship will indicate to the employer how you're going to present yourself for a graduate role. So there's no point in compromising or just writing a quick resume and say, well, that'll do because it's only an internship. It's got to be exactly the same and, and the same amount of emphasis needs to go into it as, as you would for a full-time graduate role. It's a tricky one because many resumes are scanned quickly by mm. recruiters and employers. And we have a, there's a system called applicant tracking systems, which uh, involve algorithms that pick up key words from resumes. So in many ways, the student has to actually reflect what the requirements of the job ad are in their resume. So they just can't willy-nilly send out the same resume and cover letter to hundreds of employers. We call that the scattergun approach mm. because on probability, someone thinks, well, eventually someone will catch the resume and offer them a job. Because well, it's often, a numbers game. Yeah, but often it works against them because it, it's such a scattergun approach mm. that the, the employers get annoyed when they don't find the applicants not matching what they want. So they get more annoyed with that person than anything, and they don't want to have to cull through applications that don't match what they're looking for. So the importance is to make sure they do reflect in their resume exactly the kind of things they want in the graduate role. Mm. So we encourage them to read, read, read the job ad and even the position description if they can get hold of that. Normally they can through the website. That was that 15% I think you referred to earlier, that the customization of... Yes. Your... Customization, yes. So so 85%, you can get a generic one, but you've got to be aware that the generic one is fine, but it has to be customized mm. to that particular role. That's the, the key one. I think a lot of students are not aware of that. And uh, so I advocate 
as much as possible. And I know it's hard for a student because it's hard for anyone, even in mid-career. So rather than send them to a hundred organizations, I often say to them, why don't you pick the top five organizations you think you would really love to be in and find out as much as you can about those organizations. That way you can start to target them more. So when you're doing the alumni check, you can find people who work in that organization. You can then start to to talk to people who work in that organization. There are, There's a website called Glassdoor, for example, and is one of many, but they can actually look at past experiences of graduates who have worked in different organizations, and they can get the raw truth about what it's really like to work there. So I think the targeted approach is a good approach, as much as possible. But at times, I'm very aware, too, that a student is not going to have their dream job at the top of their mind because they really don't know what they want to do. And that's okay. We're not saying it's a bad thing. In fact, that's probably not a bad thing at all. To be comfortable with uncomfortability is something we try to convey to them as well. Because in that uncomfortability, that might be two or three years out from their degree, but then in that time, they're they're learning what they want and what they don't want. Now, coming back to the internships, some of the internships don't work out. They they find that it's not for them. Mm. And that's, to me, is time well spent. They might think it's time wasted, but it's time well spent because they know they don't want to do that sort of thing or work in that particular organisation. So that steers them into a different direction. And, you know, even if it takes one or two years to do that, if they're finding what they really want and they can start getting into that motion of, you know, going into something they really enjoy. But it's through that discovery they find out what their passion is rather than finding what your passion is first and then trying to mm. work out what fits into it, if you know what I mean. Oh, definitely. I definitely mm. I sometimes think that that elimination is almost as crucial as mm. the discovery. Yes. Like, oh, I don't, I'm not made to do this job. Absolutely. But now I know. And just one fi- kind of final question. Where do you think as a person who sits across a range of students and range of sectors and employability, do you feel this pressure to do internships is coming from? Yes. It, it, look, there has been for some time, I think it goes right back, that the importance of doing some kind of work experience either within or alongside your degree has been important. I think today it's probably taken on another level of importance because of the things I've been talking about earlier is that some of the skills that employers look for are touched on in some of the courses, for example, in project work and so on. Within the courses that students are doing, they can certainly convey those skills. But but to actually go into a different environment work with people in a totally different setting takes them out of their comfort zone being in the university settings. And I think employers do actually look for that. They just don't want that narrow kind of thinking. They want that broader thinking. And the internship enables them to start thinking about how they might do that, but gives them concrete experience that they can put directly into their resume because I talked about achievement statements earlier. They won't get those until they can really get some concrete experience. And if you're listening out there and you think, I haven't got that internship, it's not all bad news because you can still isolate those skills from other things you've done, student associations, volunteer work and other things as well, international experience as well. So there are other ways to get them as well, but internships and and placements or what's called work integrated learning, which we also do here, which tends to be a university term. It's not shared so much in the the industry sector, but... It will uh, be soon, I'm sure. (laughs) We're trying to talk the language of industry and that's important that we we are able to relate to industry as much as we can. So to, to be aware of the acronyms that are used in 
in the university. But uh, but the work integrated learning is very much the same thing. It's getting that experience. It's so important. And if I could just ask your top three tips, just kind of a quick top three tips for applying for an internship or a graduate position, what would they be? First one is to don't be upset if you're not 100% sure about what you want to do. So give it a go. The first step is to give it a go anyway and, and try it. And don't be perturbed if it doesn't work out because I said before it's a learning experience. Secondly, they need to start drilling down to what their ideal organisation might look like and try to find organisations that match that their values, for example. So what's important to them? If they don't want to work in an organisation that's polluting the environment, well, don't bother applying for that organisation because you're not going to be very happy working there. So understand your values and align them to the organisation. Get the um, the application documents written correctly and get them checked, uh, either through our career service or also the other friends as well can also check it. Just from an employer hat, put that on. And lastly, present yourself in the best possible manner. So if you get to interview, you need to have the practice as well. So you need to practice some common interview questions you might get asked. So, for example, tell me about yourself is an important one. So it's those four things, I think, combined will, will put you in front of the pack when it comes to applying for graduate roles. Warren, that was excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. No worries. Starting Somewhere is brought to you by the University of Melbourne External Relations Team. The producers and editors are Buffy Gorilla and Ben Pawson. Our supervising producer and original concept is from Dr. Andy Horvath. Thanks to everyone who has made Starting Somewhere a reality. Stay tuned for future episodes. Music